I hope you've been enjoying um, this series in Broken Christianity. I uh, hope that uh, you've taken a lot from it. Uh, today we're going to conclude uh, this service, uh, this series, uh, Broken Christianity here with uh, the lesson entitled, Set Free. And so uh, you know I got a video because you know when I, when I get titles I go, man, okay, what do I first think of? And so I don't know what you first thought of, but, but this came to mind here to me. Alright, the Disney classic, Pinocchio! And, uh, you know, the struggle and the process about this wooden puppet uh, who becomes convinced uh, that he is free. And so he's singing, you know, he's got no strings uh, on him. But his uh, habitual lying, his irresponsible poor decision making, leads him into turning into a donkey. Uh, His nose grows, he ends up getting swallowed by a whale. And along the way, he's almost drowned and burned. I mean, does this sound like a classic Disney movie? <laughs> anyway, you start to see, though, that uh, he's, he's not free. Uh, you start to see by whom and to what he's been taken captive. And in the end, he does attain freedom. He does become a real boy. Uh, but just because he no longer had strings on him, it didn't mean that he was free. You know, we can be imprisoned even though there are no strings on us. In South Africa, apartheid stood where the country was racially divided between white South Africans and black South Africans. And Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela spoke up against that. And after 27 years being in prison, he's about to be released from prison. And he said these words, As I walked out the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. I mean, he understood there was something more happening, taking place than what was physical. It was very real. And he understood he had to let it go. Otherwise, he would still be imprisoned. You know, this lesson of, of, of setting you free. And uh, we're going to talk about Jesus wanting to set the captives free. And so we're going to look at a story in, uh, in just a second here. But I want to remind us of our key passage in John 8 that brought us to this whole series In John 8.31, it reads, To the Jews who had believed in Him, Jesus said, If you hold to My teachings, then you are really My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will then set you free. When When do we know the truth? Well, when we hold to His teachings. And what will the truth do? What will the truth do? To all of us, to anyone who holds to his teachings, it would absolutely set them free. But free from what? And for what? Is this newfound freedom to be happy? Is this newfound freedom to be comfortable? We may not always be comfortable, we may not always be happy, but we will be free. 
ultimately here, it's to be free from sin. Our past. No longer being victims. We have the option. We, we are free to choose the way, the truth, and the life. Or not. But what we choose could end up enslaving us all over again. So we read in John chapter 4 a story of a woman whose life was set free. Now Jesus learning that the Pharisees had learned that He was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but His disciples. So He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now He had to go through Samaria, so He came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food, because I guess it takes multiple men to go grocery shopping. <laughs> the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You know, as, as I was reading this, a question stood out to me. Who is this man? Who is this that is tired? Who is this that sits down because the heat of the day has been beating them down physically? Who is this man who begs a stranger for a drink because of his parched mouth? Who is this man who seems so vulnerable, meek, and lonely? This is our Lord. This is Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. The image of the invisible God. We have seen His glory from the one and only Son who came full of grace and truth. He made Himself nothing. Took the very nature of a servant. Being made in human in likeness. Let's be reminded, church, that Jesus came to us as a servant. He came to us as a man. He came to us as someone tempted in every way and yet without sin. He came to us humble and to be humbled on a cross. The only way to be exalted to the highest place and to be given the name above every name that every tongue, whether in this life or the next, will proclaim that Jesus is Lord, let's never lose our fascination with Jesus. And so the Spirit leads them through Samaria, the rapid path to Jerusalem. It was the short way. But this path was avoided by Jews because of their disdain towards Samaritans. They would rather take the long route. They would rather go out of their way than to go through in contact with Samaritans. Fellow Jews who had their northern kingdom captured and then they 
began to intermarry, they forsook the Lord and they started worshiping false idols. And it's this type of person that Jesus interacts with. Can you give me a drink? You know, you ever wish that as you approach the drinking fountain, that as you approached and you were about to press the button to dispense a, a, a drink, whether at school or in other places that have a drinking fountain, that it would supply you with endless amounts of your favorite drink. Whatever drink you wanted, that the moment you would press that button, it would come out. Out comes that very drink. You know, turn to the person around you and tell them, what would that drink be? What would the drink be for you? Endless amounts, endless supply of that drink. Okay, so, so you might have said ice cold water. You might have said vitamin water. Maybe Kool-Aid. You might have said some ice cold chocolate milk. That was me. But nevertheless, Jesus has something to offer far greater. Now, now check this out. You know you're parched when you start licking what appears to be flowing water, but in reality, it's only the shadow. I mean, he's so close. He's so close and yet misses having his, his thirst truly quenched. Poor dog. Man, that's sad. You know, Jesus didn't want this woman to miss out in any way. He did not want her to come close, but still miss out. And you know, Samaritans looked down upon, but Jesus, He had to go through Samaria. He was prompted by the Spirit to go, to break cultural boundaries, to do the unthinkable. I mean, is that by accident? Not if we read the story, the life of Jesus, and we go, man, he, he did not do things unintentional. He was purposeful. He was very intentional. No coincidence. The message here is that He wants a relationship with everyone. Yeah. He wants one with all. Not some, but all people. He wants them to be saved. He wants all people to come into acknowledgement of the truth. And Jesus is going throughout the land seeking for open hearts, open people who are looking for Him. And when the world communicates a message of fear and polarization, the church's message ought to be that our first culture is Christ. Anyone here who's declared Jesus Lord of your life, then you'll exalt Christ, not only as your culture, but as your identity, it is found in Christ above all else. There's no Greek, there's no Jew, there's no slave or free. We're all one in Christ. And to be that, it takes being intentional. It takes being intentional. Let's read on, verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that you ask, who asks you for a drink, you would have asked me, and he would have given you living water. 
Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his, also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband. Go call your husband and come back. Well, I, I have no husband, she replied. When Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place, uh, that this place is where we must worship, or where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers Father seeks. God is spirit and His worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. You know, this is, this is Jesus here. He's by the well. And a Samaritan woman comes to draw water during the day alone. Could it be an intentional act on her part not to be seen, to fly under the radar, so to speak? Could it be that in her life she has something to hide from the town folk? Nevertheless, she was alone. Alone with Jesus. You know, I came across this quote here by Blaise Pascal, and it, and it stuck with me. It says, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Alone. You know, that very thought maybe scares us to be alone with Jesus. Because in this day and age when there's so much distraction, it's so easy to plug yourself into this, to plug into that media here, entertainment there. A ton of man's problems come from not willing to reflect on his own life. Because we are afraid of being alone with Jesus, who is full of both grace and truth. 
And there might be some of you here today who need to be alone with Jesus. There might be some, those moments when you begin to face your true self. Because if not, we can go on all of our lives being trapped by some weakness, some sin that we pretend to not be there. And it might be time for us to be alone with Jesus. Perhaps it's your anger. Perhaps you need to get better in your finances. You're swamped in them. Maybe it's your bitterness, your lack of forgiveness. It's getting the best of you. You think you're getting the best of people, but that's like drinking rat poison and expecting other people to die. You're holding in forgiveness. Maybe you have addictions you're battling with. Just to name a few. But it's in these times when you just got to be alone. You got to go and be alone with Jesus. For us to really deal with things in our lives, as I have had to do many times in my life, sometimes we just got to stop moving. Sometimes you got to stop medicating. Sometimes we've got to just stop laughing. That even in our laughter, the heart may ache. Sometimes you've got to stop defending. Sometimes you've got to stop hiding. Stop pretending. And you need to be alone with Jesus. You can't have a true conversion in the crowd. It's been great to have this series and to come and to be a part of this third installment. Maybe you've been part of the second, the first. You've come to all three and you're like, man, I've I've done really well. I've come to all three of them. Good for you. That's awesome. That's important because this, this sermon and all other sermons have been the beginning of something in your heart. But at some point... You gotta be alone with Jesus. He says, Go call your husband. No husband. Jesus confronts her life. It's a tragic life for sure. You know, whether she's endured many husbands because every husband she's had just dies, just passed away of health issues or reasons or tragedy. Or, there is sin involved. On her husband's parts and all the husbands that have come before, or on her part. But nevertheless, it's a tragic life. And God knows her heart. God knows her situation. God knows your heart. God knows your situation. The Word knows our hearts. It's a double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our hearts. Nothing impacts my heart like the Bible does. Nothing changes my heart more than the Bible does. And who does the Bible, who does God show use to show us the Bible? He uses man. To teach us about Jesus, he uses man. Man. 
Yes, we got to be alone. We got to be in touch. But we need help at times with that. And that's not to downplay the church. We need the church. It is a, a catalyst for change and for, for spiritual growth. We need each other. Amen? But you got to be alone with Jesus because He knows you inside and out better than anyone in this room. And we need people. <laughs> we need people because, you know, there are times in my life when I want to use my heart to change the Bible, then to not let the Bible change my heart. You know, I want my heart to just change the Scriptures a little bit rather than allowing the Bible to change my heart. What does it really say? It's been written already. Well, you need to be more considerate. Well, you know, what does the Greek say about that? How do you spell that one out, Will? No, I guess, it, yeah, you've got to be more considerate. You've got to be more loving. You've got you to be more patient. Yeah, there's, there's no hiding that. Otherwise, it could become more about my way rather than His way. Right. Sir, I see you're a prophet. He told her the truth without condemning her. You know, that's something that we need to take hold of as disciples, as Christians. The more Bible we know, the more self-righteous we can become. That is a real temptation in our lives. You can actually tell when behavior actually is light or darkness. You have more discernment towards that. But it's what follows after that that makes all the difference. Jesus knew her life. He knew that someone, he, she knew that someone was talking to her who could finally quench her thirst and set her free. I mean, look at what spending time with Jesus did for her. In verse 9, she addresses Him as a Jew. In verse 11, and countless other times, she refers to Him as Sir, Sir, Sir. And in verse 19, she comes to this understanding, He's a prophet. He is not like any other man. But in verse 25, she then understands and realizes because it's been revealed to her, not to the religious elite, not to those who uh, act one way on the outside, but are another way in the inside. We're talking about the marginalized, the outskirted, the outcast. He reveals Himself to her as the Messiah. It transformed her view. Couldn't the same happen for you? You know, I, I came to know Jesus at a young age. You know, it was quite exciting. Yet it was scary all at the same time. The Bible spoke so clearly to my heart. It was as if it knew all things about me. As I read the Bible, I just go, how, how did the Bible know? How did it know that it's talking about me? It's because He knows all things. That's right. And as I began to wrestle with Jesus in the Bible, I got to see God and His heart for me. I met someone who had so much love for me 
despite not having done anything for Him. That in Him, I could find meaning, I could find purpose through a relationship with Him. He wanted me to have Him as my Father in more ways than one. He wanted me to have Him as Lord of my life. Because it's only through His name that I could be made free, that I could be forgiven and be made right with God. We continue reading verse 27. Just then His disciples returned and were surprised to find Him talking with the woman. But no one asked, What do you want? Or, Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward Him. Meanwhile, His disciples urged them, Rabbi, eat something. You need to eat something. But He said to them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. Man, you got to love that. <laughs> then His disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? Like, is he not hungry anymore because he ate already? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You know, the disciples thought he had and needed some physical food. But Jesus says His food is to do the will of Him who sent Him and to finish, finish the work. Jesus, throughout His ministry, spent time with His disciples, not only filling up their stomachs, but also filling up their souls. You know, can that be said about your Bible talk today? That people come to it and they are filled up. Man, they walk, man, I walk away from your Bible talk with like filled up with great food. I'm like, man, that is so amazing. Oh, but the spiritual food? Eh, not so much. Is that what people are saying? Or, you know, man, it was awesome spiritual food. I mean, it was like an hour long. But, man, I could have used some food for that because, you know, it's an hour long. What was his work? His work was to seek and save what was lost. To set the captives free. To break every chain. She realized that and took action. You know, when you find the grace of God in your life, no matter what you're struggling with today, whatever rough patch you're in, when you understand the grace of the Almighty, there comes then this release, this letting go, this leaving behind. She left her jar. This release into the grace of God. You're dealing with sin? Then get it out. There's a release. And then there's living waters up in us of Jesus who comes in again and wells up in us again. And the next day, your friends, your co-workers, your brothers and sisters look at you and you're like, they're like, whoa, you're, you're so refreshed. 
And you're like, yeah, it's called repentance. It's a good word. It's not a bad word. It's not a scary word. It's a good word. It's the first word of Jesus' Gospels. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Times of refreshment come. The Spirit wells up in you, and the Spirit grieves no longer. Get it out. Be filled up with God. What water wells do you need to stop visiting? If you're going to be set free, if we're going to be set free, what water wells is God trying to protect you from visiting because they leave us broken. They leave us empty over and over again. Wells of selfishness. Wells of pride. There's just this unsubmissive spirit towards God and towards His Word. Certain relationships Websites that God wants you to stop visiting. But you know, Jesus has made it so clear. Maybe you're spending time. You're alone with Jesus, but you've ignored Him. And you want to spend time with this person, that person, that person. Because you want to find, you you want to hear what your itching ears want to hear. But Jesus has already told you. He's already made it absolutely clear. This, this is what you've got to leave behind. For some, you might have picked up a broken Christianity along the way. A set of rules. A religion that offers people so much, but expects very little and fulfills very little. She didn't ever draw Jacob's water, did she? Her leave, you know, but but she wasn't thirsty anymore, was she? And so she had no need to draw that water anymore. Jesus, Jesus had filled her up. Her leaving behind her water jar showed that she had found what she truly needed. An eternal spring of living water. More than what she wanted but what she needed. She goes back to tell the very people that she hid from, the people that she, did, she didn't want to show her face to. She didn't care so much anymore what they thought about her because she found the Messiah. And you know how you know someone is free? You know how you know someone understands that they are truly free in God? They set others free. They now go and set others free. She was personally set free. For what? To set others free. There's a freedom offered to us. But is that freedom for you or for God? Maybe you're visiting here with us and you're like, man, how did I even get here? That's because someone understood. And we got to set people free. And they're offering you that opportunity to know Jesus here today. And maybe you're here because you feel like the bucket, the jar of your soul is empty as can be. And you need to get involved. You need to engage with Jesus. Maybe you're a disciple. You've been filled up with Christ. 
But you're at a point in your life where it's empty. You're running on empty. Then you've got to engage. You've got to serve. You've got to look for opportunities to be a part of the mission, to be about making disciples. We look at certain disciples and we go, man, they're full of energy. They're full of excitement. They're full of zeal and passion. Well, it's because of their personality. Well, it's because of their age. Well, it's because they don't have this many children or because they live here or because they have these resources. No! It's simply because these people give. And so now they're being given to. They are being filled up by Christ. And it overflows from their own cup. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You know, being free is freeing yourself up of time to give to building up of His church. You know, to be available for whatever may come our way. To be involved in Bible studies. To be involved in having non-Christians over in our homes. To be involved in spending time with others' children. Not just our own, but others'. There are plenty of boys who are in our ministry growing up without fathers, physical dads, or non-Christian dads. There's plenty of men here that I see that can adopt them, that can be mentors in their lives. Giving back to the various ministries, children's ministry and beyond. Why? Because the convictions and, and the decisions we're making now They're affecting the future. They're affecting the future of this church 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now. What will we we see? And so we're free to free up our time, our finances, to be generous towards God, the poor, brothers and sisters among us who maybe can't do various things. You know, I looked at the men's retreat video, I go, that's awesome, that's amazing. I don't know what's keeping dads going with their boys. Because that's not well attended by dads with boys in middle school and high school. Why aren't we going? If it's a money issue, don't worry. We'll take care of that. We'll figure out a way. Or is it a heart issue? Because you've been set free. And now you're called to help set others free. We're talking about long-term investments here. Long-term investments. Let's bring you for a landing here. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Him, they urged Him to stay with them, and He stayed two days. And because of His words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man, it really is the Savior of the world. You know, not just because of what you said, but because we have experienced it for ourselves. You know, it's one thing to hear about Jesus. It's one thing to Google Jesus. It's another thing to experience Him for yourself. It's one thing to know His teachings. It's another to live them out. To practice them. Because unless you are holding to His teachings, 
You won't know the truth and you won't be set free. But if you hold to them, if you hold to them with all of your might, then you'll know the truth. You'll know how to be set free. And then it will do so. Only then will we be set free. Let's close our time out here together in a word of prayer. Father, we come before You just humbled and grateful for Your words. Thank You for the power it has to transform our hearts, our minds, our souls, our destinies and our eternities. Thank You for Jesus who modeled for us You. We can see You through Him. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain to break every stronghold that is in our lives. Ultimately, the truth of setting us free is free from sin, free from condemnation, free from being separated from You for eternity. We can be made set free. And I pray that if that's new to us, if we are trying to figure out that, that we would have the courage and the humility to take the first step to ask, who is this man? Who is he? And what does he want with me? But I pray we also understand for those here who've been set free that people can only be set free and can only know about Jesus if they hear about Him. And I pray that we are those who would share this Gospel unshamelessly, with great conviction and courage in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, and in our jobs. Because out of gratitude for what He's done in our lives, we want others to know Jesus, the One who sets man free. We love You. We thank You. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.